This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Destiny has been fulfilled. We are inevitable, or are we? Welcome back once again to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I'm your host, Tyler Burns, and alongside my co-hosts, shout yourselves out. I forgot who goes in which order. We've, we've been gone. We've been dusted for so long. <laughs> I know. Right. We've been snapped. I didn't get snapped. I think y'all did, but you know, I think y'all got snapped. But go ahead, Aaron. Tell them who you are. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bo. And we are here to talk about the biggest comic book film in history. I think it's safe to say that, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, like this was, this was unlike anything that has ever occurred in cinema, period. So, yeah, definitely the biggest comic book movie. Definitely, I would argue, the biggest movie in all of film history. Wow. Okay, so we're taking it there already. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, we're, we're, we're talking that. about Avengers Endgame, and I'll just go ahead and put myself out there. I've seen this twice in the three days since it came out. <laughs> Actually just got back from my second viewing. Aaron, I think you've seen it twice as well. Yes, I've seen it twice already, too. And Bo, are just once? Or did you just away? once, but I've got, so this is, we're like right in between. I saw it on Friday was the earliest I could get a ticket. And then I'm um, seeing it again tomorrow afternoon on Sunday. And we have to give a shout out to one of our listeners, uh, Tyler Rollison. And Tyler actually purchased our tickets to our first screening for all of us. Yay! Um, yeah. So we just want to shout him out. Thank you so much, Tyler, for your generosity and being a great listener to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda and all the other podcasts as well on The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. Okay, let's get into it. Avengers Endgame. We're not going to take... Listen, this is spoilers. Spoilery. It's the spoilerist of spoilery. Okay, so let me tell you, if you have not seen this or if you walked out on a certain part or if you fell asleep somehow for five minutes... Do not listen to this podcast because we're going to get straight into it. Initial reactions. Once you left the theater, what was your first reaction from Endgame? And I'll start with Bo. I want to give him space to be fully nerd on this podcast. <laughs> be who you are, Bo. Once you left the theater, what was your first reaction to Avengers Endgame? My, my first reaction, like this word just popped in my mind, like triumph. Like this mm. was such a triumph. It was incredible incredible and like there's you know <laughs> there's so much that they did in this movie and uh you know it, it it is it is long and i was thinking about it kind of throughout i was like you know this movie doesn't it didn't have to be three hours but they deserved the three hours they got mm-hmm. like they yeah. they deserve that extra time to take their time and to like get these moments in and to get these moments right because everything was done so incredibly well and the audacity to 
have this movie exist and not even try to give you like a, a refresher of, oh, this is what you need to know. No, if you don't know going into this movie, that's on you. Like there are like 20 plus movies. Don't get me wrong. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. But like, seriously, this it, this movie was made for us. This movie was made for those of us who have been in this journey since the very beginning, even for those that jumped on the bandwagon late. This is for yep. people who are like invested in these characters that like look at the moments. And there are so many epic moments, of course, but there are so many emotionally resonating moments throughout that like I, I was emotionally drained kind of emotionally yeah. exhausted yeah, by the I time remember I you texted me that i was like bro that's so that's such a succinct and appropriate way to put how all of us were feeling as we left mm. emotionally exhausted aaron man what about you it was definitely an emotional ride but if i had to choose one word um in terms of a reaction it would just it would be satisfying right mm. um the genius of over 20 films over a decade with a common thread and theme weave throughout each film from one galaxy to the next to bring it all together in this one major triumphal, you know, triumphant moment. I just thought it was absolutely genius. The the consistency, it's hard to do that with different movie franchises all fitting together in one major big kind of movie franchise story, right? And 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 I was like, mm-hmm. I left it thinking, man, they pulled it off. Like, y- 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 you know what I'm saying? From from yo, 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 they, legends, they pulled it off. I mean, and even I was thinking about just the the uh, honestly, listen, the first Iron Man movie wasn't a guarantee. Okay, they didn't know how it was going to be received. Robert Downey Jr was really kind of coming out of his stuff and and dealing with you know all of the things that he had struggled with in the past dude he made about a half a mil for that film okay so like it, so like in Hollywood, he's got it all back. Trust me. That's, I mean, that's, oh yeah, he, he got that all back. Change. Yeah, he, he got it all back. He got it all back without a doubt. But at the very beginning, even they felt like they were taking a risk with him, and, and to see this thing mm-hmm. come full circle the best I've seen any cinematic story come full circle was absolutely fulfilling. Yeah. And to that point, my word would be perfect and not because it was a perfect film, but because it perfectly wrapped up all the things that we needed. And then some of the things that we didn't know we needed as well, it tied all that up in a bow and really made a complete final statement for this huge epic you know, 22 movie saga. And for me, a lot of how you feel about Endgame is going to be determined by what you go in expecting. So if you're going in expecting some airtight, cogent case for quantum uh, physics and time travel, (laughs) and if you're going in wanting to know more about, you know, the quantum realm and those types of things, that's just, you're not going to have that satisfied. But if you're going in and you're wanting to be surprised, if you're wanting to have the character arcs that need to be closed, close well, you're going to be more than satisfied. And so for me, I just wanted the film to surprise me. I wanted it to be enjoyable. I wanted it to be an experience. And so for me, it was perfect. Now let's get into one of the things that upon second viewing, I felt was one of its strongest parts. And Avengers Endgame, I got to say, guys, has a phenomenal score. 
Mm-hmm. The, the movie score is absolutely phenomenal. Go to Apple Music or Spotify, whatever you use, and listen to it. It will make you emotional, like how incredible it is, those moments. They perfectly summarize them. And, and it really starts with this heavy moment where Hawkeye's with his family, yeah. a crushing moment where he's he's teaching his daughter, young Hawkeye, kind of a callback to you know, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye, hopefully, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, crossing my fingers that that's what they're going to do in the future, but he's teaching her how to shoot a bow and arrow and she's great at it, but then he turns around and then the family is gone and everyone in the theater in both times just let out this audible groan, this sigh. How do you feel about Hawkeye's arc? Because Hawkeye becomes Ronin, then gets ready to make the ultimate sacrifice but in the end is ultimately reunited with his family. What do you feel about Hawkeye's art? I thought that beginning with him, I wasn't expecting it to begin with him, right? Because of course, in Infinity War, I think he's only mentioned, you, you know, um, but you know, he's he's never visible. And so for them to begin the endgame narrative with him and what happens to him and that transformation that he went through. I thought it was phenomenal. It was a lot deeper than I expected. Um, Renner did well uh, playing that. And um, oh yeah, Renner was in his bag, man. Listen, it was good. This was, look, this was his best. This was his best. Uh, rendition of Hawkeye. <laughs> I mean, it's like everybody like saved, you know what I'm saying? I'm, we're talking about the core Avengers, right? It's like everybody saved really their, their, their best for this one. Um, not that the other, you know, performances were, were, were garbage or anything, but I think when you have, when you as an actor, you know, this is it. I think that shows on screen, right? I mean, we, we can, you know, it's just a, a different way that you approach it. And so for him, um, that arc was a lot darker than I expected. Um, but there was also some depth there that I thought was nicely done. And Bo, I'm sure you expected him to become Ronan based upon the comics, correct? Oh yeah. I mean, that was, uh, you know, it, it, it just seemed the obvious route to take his character. Um, and you know, as, yeah, you know, as, as things start slipping out and you see, you know, oh, photo of someone on set wearing a Ronin costume, wonder who that could be, you know? So, I mean, it, it was kind of an early, uh, strong speculation for where they were going to take him. You know, the, it, it makes sense that, that the first scenes would be, uh, would be kind of his moment at the snap because we saw literally like the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We, we saw all these characters deal with the snap. Uh, in either an Infinity War or an Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, right in their post credit scenes, and so like to get you know with him being kind of the odd man out, it made sense to kind of get back to that moment of loss, and it also did something that we didn't get a chance to see in Infinity War, and that is to see somebody who is separate from this like grand superhero battle, you know the 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 you know uh, the people that are close to it that see the big purple alien like. We're not there, right? We're like at somebody's home while they're having a picnic, while he's having like a special moment with his daughter. Life is just being lived by a mortal man. Like this is not some sort of super soldier. This is not some sort of God. Mm -hmm. This is just a mortal man having a moment with his family and out of nowhere, they're dusted. And so that just kind of instant, like, like horrifying moment, I would imagine uh, Aaron, that, that, you know, you've had those moments where like you look and all of a sudden you think your, your child is gone. 
uh, or they, they've kind of, you know, ran, ran off or something while you're in the store or otherwise. I know I've, I've had that. And Tyler, listen, man, listen, man, listen, <laughs> listen, Thursday evening, Tyler and I are sitting by each other and he's absolutely right. When, when it, when he shows up and he's there and he's teaching his daughter, you know, marksmanship with the bow and the family's out having the picnic. We, I mean, you could, Tyler's right. You could hear the collective. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, mm-hmm. you just knew it was going to happen, man. And I think this really ties into the idea that it starts with family because Avengers Endgame is all about family. Mm. In every character, every character has an interaction with family or lack thereof. There's only, I think, one or two characters of the main that don't have this. The next person that I saw that was most visible, um, which we'll get into Iron Man's arc in a second, but the next character who had this interaction with family is actually Thanos and Nebula. Mm. So Thanos and Nebula have this moment where he turns to her and says, thank you, daughter. He said, my father is many things, but he's not a liar. And so Captain Marvel comes in, saves uh, Iron Man and Nebula. And it's interesting because it seems like Nebula and Iron Man had some sort of deep connection in that time period. Like Mm. they had built up a rapport. Um, Tony talked about her to Pepper. And then when they go on this mission after Captain Marvel saves them, it seems as though Nebula and Thanos have a moment of closure between them before it's interrupted by Thor's axe. He went for the head this time. Were you expecting them to kill off Thanos that quickly, Bo? <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I, I did not know what to expect because a lot of, you know, we'd been told time and time again that all the marketing materials were only the first few minutes. And uh, to their credit, I didn't think that was true, but uh, that is absolutely uh, what we got. And uh, so, you know, the the fact that when, when I think it was the clip that came out that showed them talking about how they, they saw him use the stones. So they were going to go up in space. They were going to get him. They were going to bring everybody. Spoiler, spoiler. Man, that made me so mad when I saw that. Cause I was like, ah, no, I don't want to know what their plan is. Why are you showing me their plan? But then when I saw it in the first few minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to fail hard. Like, like this is not going to work. But then when it did, but it didn't mean anything. It gets back to something that I have been saying off mic for the last year and a half was everybody talked about after Captain Marvel showed up, like, you know, oh, she's so powerful. I guess Captain Marvel's just going to come in and, and beat Thanos. And I'm like, what do you mean beat Thanos? Like, if she comes in and kills him, that doesn't do anything. And it just kind of right. proved that point, albeit it was, you know, again, Thor who took the uh, the kill shot. But, like, it almost cemented how thoroughly defeated the Avengers, in fact, the universe was. Because it doesn't matter if you avenge the the loss. Like, the loss is still there. It's still felt. There is no way you can bring those back, those folks back, unless you actually, you know, do the impossible, which of course that's what our heroes do. Right. And, and so what's what's funny about this is I feel like killing off Thanos was a good move and then having the five years later, but there's one part of this whole equation and scenario that I think Avengers Endgame misses massively. And I think it goes back to my, you know, evangelical upbringing because I was prepared by reading the Left Behind series. Okay, <laughs> I was prepared for what happens oh when a large population oh of human gosh. beings is raptured <laughs> up. Okay, and so what I know is somebody was flying planes and driving cars mm-hmm. and steering ships. And we didn't get any of the catastrophe. Like I wanted to see some of the the utter catastrophe of what was going on. Not just the heroes brooding, well, but also I wanted to see that. that 
humanity was in upheaval. Like it would, those buildings wouldn't be, you wouldn't see the NYC skyline. Like if 50% of people vanished, you would not see the NYC skyline. Mm. That was to me a moment where I was like, okay, guys, come on. Like there has huh. to be some sort of crazy. So I saw the conflict in the heroes and then they take it out on Thanos. But then I'm like, well, what happened with the rest of humanity? And you get glimpses of it in the trailer. And then when they come back after five years, but I just didn't get the sense that it had really radically reshaped hmm. the earth. Well, okay. So there's, there's a couple things here. One, we did see some of that. We are like, you know, in the, in the end or not in game, but infinity war, obviously the end credits, we saw, you know, cars Those slamming credits, into each yeah. other and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and even when Hawkeye, when his kids were lost and we started hearing the booming in the distance, I actually, I was thinking like, oh, like, are these like planes that are falling out of the sky right now? Like, I I, I actually thought- you did hear that. Yeah. You're right. The, I thought that was like a score element. No, so no, no. Right those definitely that. sound effects. Um, so I'm thinking that, so I'm thinking that, that we do get a little bit of that, but while that would have been to an extent interesting, I think the reason why this entire arc and not just this movie, but Infinity War as well, and really the series as a whole- works so well is because there's such a massive, like, like the entire universe. It's not even the planet. Like the entire universe just experienced this massive loss. The only way you can process something that big is by going very, very focused and very, very small. So having kind of these singular character interactions and kind of zooming in on Captain America while he's grinding his teeth or zooming in on, you know, one of the Russo brothers while he's talking about a date, like having those kind of moments are about the only way we can process it. I would argue without it becoming too cheesy, too quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, becoming and left behind. Yeah. It's, it's not something that I fondly <laughs> remember as far as the movies. <laughs> All I'm saying is I just wanted the catastrophe. Yeah, Aaron you know, knows like Aaron gets it, you know, when you were pre-millennial, you know what I'm saying? Oh, hold up, hold up now. Hold up now. Hold up now. Yeah. Not it. Not, not, not anymore. Anyway, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Aaron, Here's, you understand. But you know, you I think that they could have gone with the chaos, you know, from the angle of chaos and catastrophe. I felt like instead of doing that, they instead chose to go with this deep sense of loss and confusion, right? And that that's what came out more to me. And so, like, for instance, the memorial scene where, where, where Scott goes and he's trying to find to see if Hope's yes. name or if his daughter's name um, is on one of those memorials. Mm -hmm. And so instead of the, like, everything is lost and there's anarchy and chaos, it was more this event that instead of driving people to, to just this, this profound sense of disorder, instead it drove people to this profound sense of sorrow and loss and, and wondering how they were just going to continue their existence. And, uh, that's what struck me most mm -hmm. about that part. You know, I completely forgot. I completely forgot about that. About you know Scott going and looking for for his daughter's name, and how interesting that so early on we almost immediately, as we're experiencing like, because we've lived in you know the the you know trauma by association of Infinity War for like the last year and a half. Like we've seen people dusted in other movies, and we've dealt with the fact that our heroes are dead. And so, how interesting is it as as this, at the same time we start off with the loss of you know, the family that Hawkeye experiences 
once we get caught up, like we're immediately greeted. Like we're almost expecting him to see the, like his family's dead and his family's dusted. But we get this brief, like bright moment of hope because while his name is on there, his daughter's not. And in fact, he sees his daughter and his daughter sees him for the first time in five years. And, and she thinks that he's been dead. And like, there's all of a sudden this kind of like sad, hopeful joy, like in this intense moment. And on top of that, it's Ant-Man who I got to tell you, I've always thought Ant-Man's the lamest hero of all of them. So it's just really, really, really powerful. Yeah. I've never been a huge Scott Lang fan for me personally. I'm like I, the only think, person you know, that like Paul Rudd. I think Paul Rudd has, was great in this film. How did you feel like he was in, in this particular movie? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, he was fine. Oh, wow. man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just praised that one scene. So that's good. <laughs> like he did, he did good. Yeah, he made I, me feel. I just really, I thought he was really like, he was kind of the, the infusion of hope that they needed mm. at the point that they needed and kind of kept things going, even in the midst of confusion about time travel or whatever. It was kind of his just raw optimism that, you know, sustained them. And then at the, you know, the funny moments within um, and points within the time travel itself. I don't know. I just, I really like Paul Rudd. I think he's. Everybody he's likes really Paul Rudd. I'm like the only person that doesn't like Paul Rudd. Him and James Franco. I hate James Franco. Anyway, go. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on Green Goblins. I, I didn't watch the second Ant-Man movie. I, I'm not as big of a mm. fan of his character, like <laughs> enough to go and watch his movies. Uh, <laughs> but you know what's interesting is actually Ant-Man is actually more Ant-Man and the Wasp is actually more important and foundational for watching Avengers Endgame than Captain Marvel. That's is. true. That's true. That's very it, true. It 100% is because of quantum time travel and like little Easter eggs and everything that comes through. It's actually way more important. That's actually one movie I would tell everybody. I, I mean, you know, Black Panther, go see it, but it's it's not something that's required viewing. Neither is Captain Marvel really. It's really Ant-Man and the Wasp is one of the most important movies That's right. to see before Shocking. Endgame, which is crazy to yeah. say, right? And that movie got so much wrong, but we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about this movie, which by the way, you'd mentioned the the quantum and the time travel and people like getting on Twitter. It's actually really tight. Like the way, their explanation, their rules for time travel work very, very well. There's one thing that people are calling a plot hole that it could legitimately be, but I think it's open to interpretation. So if you see it okay. as a plot hole, that's on you. Sorry. That's a whole, that's, no, that's a yeah, no. Yeah. So I want to get into that, but before we get into the time travel element, cause I kind of want to deal with that in one big block mm. because there's so many different storylines we can go in. Um, when it comes to that, I want to deal with the introduction of two heroes in particular, Iron Man, a, a wounded, jaded, washed dad iron man mm. and thor melted ice cream <laughs> so <laughs> what do you think about what they did when i saw his daughter my heart bro mm. oh my at goodness. that moment something deep within me said oh this brother's gonna die like mm. he's gonna die die and I was like, it's going to be bad and it's going to be emotional. Something in me said that, but it was just their their banter back and forth that made me think they might not kill him. What did you think about the Iron Man? And then you can also talk about Melted Ice Cream Thor as well. So Iron Man, it was, Iron Man was fantastic. Like when he got back to Earth, I mean, you know, there's so many callbacks throughout the movie. And, you know, one of them is him coming off with Nebula holding him is very reminiscent of the, you know, when he first comes back from Afghanistan yes, and yes. being held and everything. So there's, there's a lot of like beats that kind of echo back to things that we've gotten in, in the history of, of the series, but like him, he looked so sickly in the, 
I, I don't even want to say present, but in the pre five years in the beginning, when he gets back to earth and he is just so angry because he's been right this entire time. Uh, you know, and I mean, depending on where you fell in civil war and everything else, like he wasn't looking at the moment. He was looking at the big picture. He was looking at the fact that Thanos was coming. He was trying to hold everybody together. Go back and watch Civil War. He tells Steve, like, I'm trying to hold the Avengers together. <laughs> like, you're the one who's tearing yeah. them apart. And so then everything goes down. Everything happens. But ironically, almost everyone else experiences so much more loss than he does. He got very lucky, as him and, uh, and Pepper kind of mentioned. Man. Seriously, and on top of that, man, when you when when the when the child comes in, named Morgan, just like his dream in the last movie, like when the child comes in, my concern was not that he was going to die because I've always assumed he was going to die. I, I it just made the most sense that that by the time this was all done, he and likely several of if not the entire core six original Avengers were probably going to die. So I was I was subscribed to that. When I saw the child come in, though. I have thought a lot of times about the concept of time travel. I've got, by the way, I got another podcast called flash TV talk about the CW's flash quick, shameless plug. We talk about time travel a lot in that show uh, and just the various natures of it. So I've thought a lot about time travel and like, you know, if I could go back in time, would I do it all again and maybe make some improvements? And like, if someone was to tempt me with that option, my immediate answer at this stage of my life is no, I would never do that because while there's so much in my life that I could recreate, and potentially even improve the one thing I could not guarantee the recreation of is my children. And like, mm. and so when, when there was kind of this notion of, you know, this is the direction they're going to go in and here's this kid. My thought was that Tony was going to have to choose to sacrifice his child in order to save the universe. Like Oof, boy. Th- that's Oof. where I thought they were going with it. And I was really with nervous. Maximum dark. Oh my goodness. But like, think about it. That It's actually kind of brilliant from that standpoint, because on the one hand, you know, Infinity War notwithstanding, we all kind of know going into a superhero film that the superheroes are going to win. They're going to figure out a way to save the day. But if they kind of tempt you in that moment or, or kind of like leave you with this almost kind of like this tinge of hopelessness in the midst of hope that, yeah, they might win, but something terrible is going to happen in order to, to, to make it happen. Like, then it's not like, yeah, let's go back in time and get all the stones. It's like, where are we going with this? What's going to ultimately happen once we do this? And so Tony in particular was really, really fascinating and the way in which he was rewarded while the rest of the world, despite the fact that he's been trying to fight what ended up happening, he's been trying to fight the inevitability of Thanos, Thanos comes and yet he was rewarded and the rest of the world lost. And yet he's still, you know, willing to, to, you know, fix it. Uh, Thor, Big Lebowski, oh man, did not see that coming. Oh my goodness. What a way to subvert expectations. Uh Hello. Throughout the entire film, wow! I tell you what, though, Aaron, as a as a uh, Fortnite player, I mean, that must have blown his mind. Didn't Fortnite have a whole Thanos mode where like people could be Thanos? Listen, they had an entire Thanos mode, and actually, <laughs> actually, right now there's a mode where you play not only as Thanos, you have the opportunity to play not only as Thanos, but there's an entire Chitari army oh uh, that you get to battle oh with either with either uh, Iron Man's repulsors, uh, Hawkeye's bow, or uh, Captain America's shield or Thor's axe. So it's <laughs> it's it's a really dope game wow. mode that's going on right now. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. So when you saw Thor, Aaron, what because we were we were having a hearty laugh while we were watching Thor on camera. But what did that 
What did that signify to you about this hero's journey? Man, you know, I thought it was pretty smart, although I wasn't expecting him to keep that body throughout the whole thing. I thought they, I, I thought they do, I don't know, like either some type of thunder and lightning event where it just kind of shakes his body back into, mm-hmm. to, to God like, you know, demigod like shape or, um, you know, maybe an exercise montage or something. I don't know, but he stayed, <laughs> <laughs> he stayed, get that, flex. right? Get, get Thor a bow flex. He stayed that way, but I love the fact that he stayed that way because. So even before just the brokenness that he went through after his, you know, just very, you know, anticlimactic killing of Thanos, Thor had been through some really difficult things, you know, he, he's, so he's been like physically scarred and injured and things of that nature. And I thought it was really cool that they showed Thor um, some, some vulnerability in him in a way, you know, and, and to show that um, he, he, in some ways he ages, right? He doesn't age like everybody else, but he ages. And what it made me think about Tyler was um, the, the series that you got me uh, for my birthday a few years ago, the God butcher, right? Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. And so in, which was just absolutely amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But what you got to see in the God butcher is that Thor, you get to see Thor as an old Thor. And so I thought that was particularly smart. And that's what it kind of reminded me of when I saw him with the gut and, you know, uh, <laughs> as Rocket said, you look like melted ice cream. <laughs> yeah, which was hilarious. And for those who are listening, if you want to pick up that story, it's Thor, God of Thunder. Um, I believe it's written by Jason Aaron. But you have to go and read that because it's actually three Thors in different um, time dimensions and all that. But we won't get into all that. But there's three Thors. Um, that are incorporated kind of following that storyline. I think it was a smart plot device because you have to explain why the strongest, most powerful God character isn't the one who wields the gauntlet. Mm. Because if anyone can handle it, it's Thor. And so you almost have to make him fat and out of shape to say he can't handle it right now. Um, Because otherwise it wouldn't have made any sense for Hulk or anyone else to wield the gauntlet which then is the thing that is the biggest emotional payoff, which is Iron Man mm-hmm. dying. So for me, it was, it, was a, it was a clever plot device and it made sense because of the fact that he's dealing with so much loss and failure. Now let's get into time travel here just for a few minutes. There are so many different things that happen in these time travel elements. And I just want to say, say this at the outset, it was genius of them to touch on other movies in ways I didn't expect. Mm. If there was one movie I didn't think would be incorporated in this one, it was Thor The Dark World. If there's <laughs> one MCU movie I want to forget, oh it's Thor gosh. The Dark World. Oh, come on, man. I, I want to forget it. Like, I never, I, I've, I haven't watched it ever again. They ruined Malekith. Uh, it, <laughs> even, even Thor making fun of it, Dark Elves, ooh. Like, I was like, that's how I feel about the film. Because to me, it looked cartoonish and it didn't do anything to the characters. And then it was the first of many, Loki's dead, but he's not really dead moments. And so for me, I think the incorporation of Thor The Dark World and the incorporation of you know, the first Avengers film, the incorporation of some elements of Doctor Strange, it was actually genius. Uh, what were some of your time travel highlights? If you're looking throughout all of it, uh, those missions that they go on, whether it's to Morag or Vormir or New York or even back to Garden State in New Jersey, 
what were some of your highlights, Bo? Well, okay, so uh, the two two scenes that really kind of stand out to me are it's and it's hard to cho- choose like which one to talk about first, but I'll, I'll just I'll I'll go with um, Hawkeye and and Black Widow and bruh, bruh, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know the, there there were a few scenes that i think didn't have the beat at least in my theater didn't beat the way that they wanted to and one of them was the hard cut from red skull to you know hawkeye going okay yeah we'll be over here because the weight of that that moment was so heavy and right. so the cut to something humorous didn't quite land uh but regardless once we actually got down to it and they were talking about it like i had no idea which one of them was going over the cliff. Like I had no clue because I yeah, like, me neither. you knew going in that somebody was going to have to go over the cliff. And it was kind of ironic too, because given the fact that red skulls up there in space, you almost kind of want captain America to be present for that whole deal. But because of the choice and the power of the choice, it makes sense that it would be these two. Cause it's such a throwback to when they both kind of had their first introduction in Avengers. Now, obviously they were introduced in other films before that, but in terms of their relationship, it was first introduced in the first Avengers and so much is implied about their relationship. Even back then, a lot of people thought there was a romantic connection. And as we obviously get to know the characters more, we find that it's not the case. It's actually more of a a brother, sister, a family, a kind of a deep friendship that they, that they have. I don't know, man. Well, you know, after you've lost your family and everything at that moment, Uh, he was a widow for five years, but my point is, I was a little sus right there. I was like, "All right, y'all having too much fun here." You need a chaperone, anyway. So the point is that, like, when it comes down to it, had no clue who, like, either one of them could have gone over. Was shocked. I, I would, I probably would have been shocked either way, but I was shocked that it was Black Widow, and the way in which they battled each other to try to sacrifice themselves was so very powerful and like out of nowhere. Like you think one's got the other hand, then you think the other one's got the upper hand. You think the other one's got the upper hand, then they fall and they both are going down. And then, you know, it's incredible, incredible the way it was done. And, um, just very, very powerful. And of course, if you go down there, you're perma dead, man, or as, as much as we know at this point. So that was one scene that really stuck out to me. The other one is obvious. I mean, like you can't not like, love this moment of Tony walking with his dad and the, the relationship that again, has been implied and in some instances seen outright uh, throughout the series of this kind of strained relationship that he grew up with, with his father. Mm -hmm. And then also seeing his father in various incarnations of flashbacks and, you know, um, even tie in media and that kind of thing. And so to have, this moment, this kind of time to spend with his dad, he forgets the stone. Like he gets so taken back from the fact that he's there with his father who's been dead for years on like, you know, <laughs> like the whole yeah, he thing. He just blurts out, like, I have a little girl. Yeah, yeah, girl. he's just sharing this stuff with him, like, completely blindsided. And he, like, the fate of the universe is in the briefcase, and he's walking out the door, completely forgot about it. You know, like, it, it was Man. incredible. Very, very moving. And, of course, seeing Jarvis, too. For those that don't know, because this is a tie-in type deal, but the actor that portrayed Jarvis actually um, was in the Peggy Carter series, where he also mm-hmm. portrayed he Gar- Jarvis there. And so... Uh, a great nod to a, um, uh, you know, apocryphal uh, tie-in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. to actually have that character reappear. Going back to Vormir, there's a there's a moment that I caught on the second round that floored me, and it's a moment you guys are going to want to are going to want to go back and watch and pay attention to in your second viewing. It's when 
she's up there. It's that beat where Hawkeye's trying to make a joke, and she's like, you know, really clearly contemplating what's about to happen. And Hawkeye says, "Why do we know this guy's telling the truth?" And she's like, "He is." And he says, "Because he knew your father's name." And she says, "I didn't." Yeah. That was heavy. I said, "Oh my goodness!" Like just the weight of all that, um, and also seeing the fact that you know they're having to come to grips with, you know, this is going to actually cost us when we say whatever it takes. That's heavy. And what got me about that scene most was right before they head into the quantum realm. The last person to speak is Natasha. She looks around with that coy little smirk and says, see you in a minute. Mm. And she's the one that doesn't come Mm. back. So that was the heavy part of it. When you see it upon second viewing, you're able to sit back and say, oh my goodness, Like I can't believe this. And for me, the second scene that I would kind of point out before kicking it to Aaron is the Captain America Hail Hydra beat. (laughs) Which was phenomenal and which was a wonderful nod to the comics and the controversy within the comics Mm. and a way that it's used in this film is just really brilliant. And I also loved seeing kind of like a behind the scenes Avengers moment (laughs) where they're, they're posing. He's like, ah, we could pose. And then you see kind of what happens after (laughs) you see Loki's like mocking Captain America (laughs) They're kicking Hulk out the elevator. I'm like, man, this is hilarious. Like, this is just kind of like a backstory because the only thing we see after that is the movie moving on, like the story continuing. But in the end, like, they're like, all right, you know, it's almost like someone yelled cut and then they just went about their day, but then they still had, (laughs) you know, this infinity stone in their possession. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Those were, those were two. Yeah, exactly. So those were two that, that I really enjoyed. Aaron, what about you? Each one of these, you know, each little excursion excursion ranged from like sentimental to comedic to just absolutely deadly serious. And and I really liked how they all weren't the same, but they were diverse, some were lighthearted, um, some were, of course. A nod to the different genres in Marvel as well. Yes. A nod to the, the varying genres. But anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And so it would have to be, of course, Natasha and, and and Clint, man, because to see two characters literally fight to decide who was going to lay down their life for the good of everyone else, hmm. that that was absolutely profound. And just when you think that Clint was going to be the one to do it, you're like, all right, Hawkeye, he's, he's, he jumps off, man. He jumps off, but she absolutely refuses to let him do it, which made which made the purpose, uh, or or I should say the you know the requirements for acquiring the soul stone that much more powerful because you can't just take anybody up there. It has to be the sacrifice of someone that you love, and so you're watching this fight that's born literally out of their love for one another. They're refusing to allow the other to be the one. To die, and mm-hmm. and and yet, of course, the Black Widow prevails in this 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 scene where he doesn't want to let her go, man, and and she says it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it was it was so powerful, man, me. did it get me. me, and I, I got I got with you guys too, man. It was Tony and his dad to be able to yeah. 
the way they provided moments to get closure with lost loved ones, I thought was so good. And so it wasn't just about going back to retrieve the stones, but there were several characters who actually got to get closure and dare I say, even moments of clarity and healing Mm, from loved ones with these moments, you know, it was, it was Thor with his mom, (laughs) you know, and he's just, you know, he's like, no, I'm not from the future, you know, which was brilliant. That was brutal. I was raised oh, by witches, boy. I'm totally from the future. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's such a call to how mothers can see through our man and how they just detect clearly. Okay, that's that's nice. Not exactly. Eat a salad. <laughs> and that's what he needed. <laughs> and then like that's what he needed. And then, you know, for her to say everyone fails at who they're supposed to be, but you have to be who yeah. you truly are. Um, and that's what he ends up taking with him. Exactly. And and I do want to say the the moments where, number one, when Tony, Tony didn't just say, I have a five-year-old daughter. He said it in a way, like in his voice, he's like, I wish you would know that. I wish you could know that I have a five-year-old daughter. Mm. Like, mm. like, like I wish oh you could goodness. meet her. Right? Oof. And then his father talking about him outweighing the greater good for his own pub- personal interest. Right. And, and, and then him finally saying, I haven't even met him yet, but I do anything for him. Powerful moments. And, and, but he, but he predicts Tony, like he predicts who Tony becomes. Like Tony becomes a self-interested, self-seeking, selfish billionaire. And, but in the end, what do we see in Avengers in at, at every turn, he's sacrificing himself for the greater good for others. Um, I have to say, in critique, I think Natasha's death was really quickly moved on from. And I know they did that little scene, but then right after that little scene where they're tearing up, we get the funny beat with Rocket, you know, yelling "boom," you know, right when they assemble the Infinity Gauntlet. And I'm like, bro, I feel it, and we got to keep moving. We got another hour, and it's going to be explosive and great and awesome. But one of the founding members died. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's like a funeral scene. Like, I'm not telling you how you should do it. I'm like, bro, this is serious. And I feel like we just skipped over it really quickly because she died in the same pose as Gamora. It's like whoever goes to Vormir, they got to die the same <laughs> yeah. way. Like, I just I was like, bro, like, how is everybody in the same pose? Blood splatters I'm like, the same, bro, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, bro, this is serious. Like, can we acknowledge that this is happening? And then just a couple of tears and Hulk throwing the bench. It just felt like there was some stuff that was left open there. Um, I think they're going to do something with Vormir in the next phase, actually, that, you know, adjust it from being permadead, mm-hmm. probably near the tail end of, of that phase. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's going to happen. But that was a little bit of a miss to me. But anyway... Moving on, we get the Affinity Gauntlet. Obviously, Thor can't wield it. No human can wield it. It would kill them. And then we get Professor Hulk wielding it. Now, the Hulk switched up. They combined Banner and the Hulk together. And I really liked that. I appreciated it. I got some heavy youth pastor vibes from Professor Hulk. Uh, he's very youth pastorish, um, especially, especially you know with Thor. Oh my god! <laughs> right? Yeah, oh with Thor, gosh. with the kids, yeah, like right. you know, like that little double hand, like point, like listen to your mom, like that's you know second year youth pastor. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's like I'm oh just saying. God. I can say this because I'm one, so uh. I'm just telling you guys. So Thor. Um, 
uh, not Thor, but Hulk is able to make the snap. Now, when he does the snap, we see the whole nebula trickery going on. When he does the snap, what's your initial thought? Like, oh, great. This is, here we are. Or is it more ominous? Because for me, it was the latter. It was definitely the latter for me. Because thinking, this isn't going to fix it, right? And of course, you've got the the two nebulas that were swapped. And we, we know that at this point, And we don't know exactly what she's doing. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that she opened the portal before he snapped. Yes. 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 And yeah. And so you're like, uh, <laughs> it, it was definitely more ominous than celebratory for me. Cause I'm thinking, no, it's, it's about to really right, hit right. the fan. And, now. and, you know, it's, it's funny because I actually, you know, I actually thought Ant-Man died um, in that oh, moment yeah. when I thought he, I thought they just killed him. But then I saw in the second, uh, the second time around, I saw that he, he microed down. So as soon as, you know, the first missile hits, he like shrinks down. Uh, but what was your thought? Because clearly, I mean, from the comics, another character wielding the gauntlet and then eventually two two other characters wielding the gauntlet. It's heavy implications there. Yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of the comics, they went a totally different direction. Completely. <laughs> but, I was uh, like, what is happening here? <laughs> I mean, like when Nebula loses like half her hand, I'm like, no, nah, it's all right. Now she's going to put her skeleton in the gauntlet at some point because- Right. Know. That's what I was like. Oh yeah, yeah that's what she's going to do. Yeah. And it's like, no. no but okay. I'm glad they, I'm glad they made it their own. Uh, so two things. First of all, just I, I need to make mention of this because I thought this was yeah. also just yeah, a fantastic scene. There's so many fantastic scenes in this movie. But when uh, the the Professor Hulk uh, or when when Banner and Hulk get separated and Banner comes out of the soul self and everything, that was a big bro. big moment. Like I, ancient one is boss. That was bro. incredible. I really really loved that. Uh, so I just want to make mention of that. Um, I I definitely felt the ominousness of it. Almost like for one thing. <laughs> because at that moment, you know, Aaron, like you said, the, the spaceship gets, you know, launched out into space or like right above headquarters. So you know that something nefarious is about to happen. He snaps. There's this, there's this kind of this question. Well, well did it work? And then there's also another question of what does did it work mean? Like we, <laughs> right, we don't really right. know. Like, yeah. are they all coming back? You know, I, I didn't, I didn't expect even then for them to come back in the way they did, which is, you know, not just, we are, we, I was dying and now I'm not, but like, no, I remember turning into dust and then I reformulated, you know what I mean? Like there was, there was, yeah. there's a lot of complexities in, in the, the, you know, the quote unquote, did it work nature of it. And then when the phone call came through, maybe it's cause we've all seen too many movies, but I was expecting like, you know, him to answer the phone and it's saying his wife, but he answers it and it's like Thanos on the other end or something. Like oh yeah. Like I was like, anything could happen. Right. Like it's like, you know, I have your wife, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, well, I don't know. we like, never got a chance to be properly introduced. I don't yeah, know. It could be King Corvus Glaive. Like it could be, I, I don't know. Like who is it? You know? And so that was definitely something that I was anticipating. And so right in that moment though, when Avengers tower gets hit or the complex gets hit, you know, it's hit the fan. It's, and from that moment, really from the moment of Nat dying, mm. It is an avalanche. Mm. That last hour is so frenetic. It's so crazy. It's so chaotic. It's so hectic. And I want to get into it now. 
because I just want to give people, we don't have to start here. I'm just going to jump ahead and tell you guys how crazy this is, just because I don't think we're, we're comprehending it. <laughs> Peter Parker is holding the Infinity Gauntlet, fighting off dozens of Chitari, <laughs> and then Captain America throws Thor's hammer so that he can web onto it and get away from them while still holding the gauntlet. He gets shot away from it. Pepper Potts in the rescue armor carries him up and throws him to Valkyrie riding a Pegasus. <laughs> yes. What? Beautiful. In like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's in, in this 10 movie. seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's absolute lunacy. I'm like, what is happening here? It's so much. But first, we get this three-on-one showdown with Thanos. Let's talk about Thanos. Because he's a lot different in this movie than he is in Infinity War. Aaron, what do you think about the differences of Thanos? Well, in Infinity War, he was a lot more... he, He was a lot more sadistic, you know? And I felt like he was... You get to, you got to see Thanos the warrior in this one. Right. And so he was so powerful in Infinity War because when we see him, he already has at least two or three stones, I think, mm-hmm. when we first see him at the beginning of Infinity War. And yeah, so he gets, he, he's putting in the second one. Yeah, he's, he's putting in the second. Him. Exactly. And, and so and so to see Thanos without any, to see Thanos, the warrior, the conqueror um, at, at the beginning, you know, uh, of his journey, I thought. I thought that was definitely a different angle. And so you got to see him in this epic hand-to-hand battle with Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America, which is one of the best fight sequences I have ever seen. All right. And what's, what's so frustrating about it is they're not beating him. I mean, they're getting close in different moments to making a dent, but they're not beating him. And that is... That is ominous. You know, Thanos is spectacular, but I have to say this about him. I realize now that his fatal flaw is if you look at all his scenes and his lines, his fatal flaw is that he wants to be valued at all costs. Mm. Like he wants you to honor him. Like that's why before he they chop his head off at the beginning, he's like, you should be thankful. And then in the moment where he switches up the, the mission where he says, oh, okay, I'll just destroy the whole universe. So you guys aren't grateful. Is that you you just care about what's in the past. You don't care about what it can be. And it's almost like, bro, like you are a narcissist. And and beyond that, you want to be valued so badly that it drives you to this place of genocide and blood. He says, "Oh, well, you know, it the next the next universe won't know cuz you won't be there. Mm. I'll be there, but you won't be there." It's almost like he has this this weird narcissistic need to be affirmed and valued. There's probably some daddy wounds there that we need to, to probe into <laughs> well, in future films. And you know, they talk about it in the comments, you, though. He can't just yeah, end you. Like he's got to tell you why. Like he's got to break it all the way yeah, down. Like, just, just get on with it. Like you won't kill me. Like do it. But you know, um, <laughs> yeah, like we, we have to. And so it's, it's just very interesting. Like that Thanos part, Bo as a comic book fan, that three-on-one fight, and we're going to talk about the big scene in a second, but that three-on-one fight, how, how 
how crazy were you going? Like, did you stay in your seat? <laughs> That's one moment where I'm like, bro, I would have loved to have been around Bo. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, I don't feel like he would have stayed seated. I feel like he would have just stood up. So this was my first Alamo draft house experience. So they have like a little table in front of you, but I was fighting the table. Like, and I actually, <laughs> I kind of felt bad for the per- people sitting next to me. Cause I was like, yes, yeah. Like, you know, this, like people go crazy at sports games. I go crazy at Marvel movies. Like right, this, right. this is my Super Bowl right here. And man, yeah, I was, uh, I, I was, I was thrilled. Now in that big fight sequence, the, um, a couple surprise moments. And I think the biggest one is when the hammer is raised and Thor right. uses it to braid his hair. No, I'm just kidding. Not that. Not that. Although I, Wait, what? I did not see that coming. I thought maybe he might lose the gut, but no, he just he braided his his beard. Uh, that was a double O beard, though. It was a very Viking like. No, yeah. it worked. It worked. Like, first time he actually looked like a Viking. Actually, it actually you know right exactly very Norse, <laughs> very Norse. Good way to 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 do it. But no, so yeah. All right, I knew it. Right, that's the code. That's the that's the code words they gave us in that sequence, so that we could talk about it without spoiling it. But of course, we're deep into it now, so now everybody knows. Like when the when the hammer went up, I'm curious. What did, did you think that it was going where it was going? That's what I want to ask you guys. Absolutely. As soon as it as soon as it floated, I was like, oh, it's cap. It's cap. I think I even said it. I think did I say it? Because I, I, I think I said I, Aaron. Aaron was there. I'm. I'm I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, Cap, let's get it. Let's get it. The place erupted, bro. <laughs> but see, what's funny is in the second movie, the one that I saw today, it's like a whole bunch of people weren't expecting yeah. it. And so the first movie, everyone erupted. You know, the, the real like right, diehard, right. hardcore comic book yes. fans go opening night, like pre-opening night. But then in the second crowd, it was like- Holy bleep. Like that was <laughs> Aaron. It was like that was like they were like, holy what and there was this dude, like these military guys behind me. They were like, What what oh like, no, this is crazy. And then he starts giving Thanos the business yes. with him. But anyway, yes, I, I felt like I felt like it was going to count. Okay, so you knew that. what about you, Aaron? Did you see it going that way? I didn't, man. I didn't, but I was so focused on that axe piercing oh, Thor's dude. chest armor. Yes, what a callback. Oh. Right? I was so focused on I was like, you, you know, and so, you know, we we know we we know we're going to lose people. We've already lost Black Widow and you're mm. like, okay, what's getting ready to happen here that dude, it was like, listen, you know, like when they give testimonies and, and somebody that knows how to give a real, t- a real good testimony, you know, that just like <laughs> yeah, takes yeah. over the church, like, won't he do it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, Thor's hands are out of the, are out of the shot. Is there a hand open? You know? And so, dude, listen, when Cap caught that hammer, bro, let me tell you something. I could have done a praise break right there in the field. <laughs> <laughs> Because listen, recorded it. Yo, <laughs> recorded it. Because he went to work. Yes, immediately. I mean, well, he has the two. He has the two most iconic weapons in in the comics, right? right? In Marvel comics, right like the shield and Mjolnir. So here's the thing. I will. Oh man! All right. So this 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 breaks my heart because Uh-oh. the day before going to the movie, oh yeah, I was yeah, targeted yeah, yeah. by right. a Twitter troll. Who saw me no, use the hashtag no. don't spoil the end game 
and spoiled that moment for me. Are you, are oh you kidding me? No. Yeah. And I'm so I've reported this person to Twitter and like, cause you could see they've been going through and finding people that have used that. Don't spoil the end game ha- hashtag and targeted them specifically with screenshots, with even just their Twitter name popping up and everything else. They've even changed their name now to Tony and black widow die. Uh, and then when, if, oh if you click goodness. on their picture, it's their, their banner is like screenshots of, cap holding Milner and, and, and like it even had the text cap holding Milner. And so I was like, Oh, <laughs> like and on the one hand, I'm this like, guys is ruthless, bro. Yeah. Like I was like, did, I wanted to, I was hoping something like this would happen, but I didn't know it was going to happen. And now you told me it was going to happen. And so it doesn't take away from the epicness of that scene, but I wish I could have experienced that, that moment without knowing it was coming. Like I thought about nothing else going into that movie that that the entire time that and you know uh, also had Tony with the Infinity Stones spoiled for me as well. So like two of the biggest moments were were spoiled. <laughs> but I'm going like wow, Bo. Listen, wow. Well, I'm Dude, really I don't even know what to say to that. Going in tomorrow at, to the IMAX because like tomorrow I'm just I, I want to get in as many early showings as possible so that I could like just like just feed off of other people finding that out for the yeah. first time. <laughs> but um, yes. yeah, epic, incredible. I had been hoping that something like that would happen before it was spoiled for me. And then once it was, that was like the only thing I wanted to see and uh, did not disappoint. And I'm glad it wasn't just, you know, it was cool when vision got it. Like it was, a, it was an interesting moment and it communicated a lot about what was going on. And even when Thor calls out to it, it's kind of like this surprise. I'm still worthy. You know, something happened to cap between like then and now, right? Like since, since age of Ultron, when he almost lifted it, but he couldn't quite lift it. Now he's not just lifting it. He's wielding lightning with it. Like civil war, bro. Civil war, man. It was, it was incredible, incredible fight. That's, that's my, that's my theory is that what he did in civil war was so honorable. Yeah. He held the line. And like how he held the line and how he fought for his friend. He was worthy, bro. Like to me, to me, here's here's the thing that I love. I love when they when they basically take the ceiling off the fights and they show the sheer desperation of the characters. Like these are demigod characters. Mm. And whether it's with tech, whether it's with super soldier serum, whether it's with, you know, lightning and Norse mythology, they're they're super characters. And to see Thanos fight through them. And to see them be pushed to their absolute limit. So in desperation, the only thing Cap knows to do to stop him is just to pick up the hammer. And it was just so fluid. Not even pick it up. Call out to it. Yeah. Well, so he threw it and then he called back to it, I thought. Mm. Or or maybe it was that it went through Thanos and then he called. That's probably what happened. Oh, interesting. That's crazy to me. Like, that's crazy. Mm. And so I love seeing that. But then we got my favorite shot. Now, I'm just going to call this... Because we're getting to the the big shot. We got about 10, 15 more minutes. I'm just going to call it, this is my favorite shot in the entire MCU. Incredible. In the entire MCU. And this is the shot I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a direct callback from the comics where Captain America stands toe-to-toe with Thanos, knowing he's overpowered, and in this case, broken shields, tightened on his arm. Full armies behind him. It's like Cap versus everybody. Yeah, one man against the world. And, and it's it's that callback to the scene where he stands in front of Thanos and says, "As long as one man stands against you, Thanos, you'll never be able to claim total victory." Hmm. And then Thanos is like noble sentiments from one who is about to die. Hmm. 
And I was like, oh my goodness. And so I'm like, in that moment, I took a deep breath because I said, okay, here's where he dies. What my thought was, they would get there just a beat too late, right before Thanos was going to rip his head off. And that he would be able to yell out Avengers Assemble mm. right right as Thanos is killing him. Wow. Um, that's what I thought was getting ready to happen. But instead, we get an even better moment. A callback to Winter Soldier. Yes! When in the first scene, I didn't catch this until the second time around, but when in the first scene, Cap is running around. Yeah. Um, I forget what it's called, but he's running around the, the mall, mall, like the, the mall in D.C. Mm-hmm. He's running around <laughs> the mall and Sam, he keeps running around. He's lapping him. He says, on your left, on your left, on your left. And then Sam's like, don't say it, don't say it. On your left, on your left. And then that's what Sam says to him, on your left. Bo, what happened in the theater when Sam said, on your left, and you saw the sparkly thing open up as, as Peter was So it's, it was so amazingly shot too, right? Because like for one thing, just the only love, what a, what a fantastic callback. And just the fact that you're hearing Falcon's voice, because you saw the only implica- or, uh, uh, you know, indication that the, Thor, the Hulk snap was successful was the phone call that you saw come through. Right. But, you know, again, we didn't know what that meant. Like we and we thought it meant something bad one way or the other. We thought we didn't think it was like it, it was a secure or a done deal. But so just you know, the, there's the crackling and everything else. You hear the on your left, and on the one hand, it's a great callback. On the other hand, this is the voice of somebody who is taken. So this is like the confirmation mm. that it, it not it was <laughs> it was the confirmation that they were successful at bringing everyone back. But when the portal opened and when Black Panther and Shuri walked through, Okoye too, but she was alive before, like when they walked through, it was like, it was not just the confirmation of they succeeded. It was that you succeeded and guess what? You're not alone. And like, then all the portals opened up, like all the portals opened up and then you had spaceships coming through and you had gods coming through and then you had the, you know, Wakandans coming through, you had everybody coming through and then all of these, you know, uh, uh, wizards and everything else. It was insane. And I think like, it was crazy. I mean, it was just eruption. The, the theater was just going crazy, but I think for at least the theater that I was in, it was this build. Like, the, the the fact, the way it was shot and the way that, you know, when the portal opens and you have the three figures walking through and, you know, the kind of the, with the slow walk, I was thrilled to see Sherry. I was like, okay, good. She had enough time to get her actual her gauntlets and everything ready to, ready to go now. Because <laughs> right. when she got dusted, she didn't have armed that. this time. Can you be armed, please? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so it was, it was, um, man, yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was it was absolutely incredible. And and it was very and Aaron will tell you, like our theater cheered, of course. Um, I let out of my king, you know, for everyone to hear <laughs> because I saw I saw how regal he was walking. You know, everybody else comes through like ready to fight, and Black Panther's just like casually like, I'm royalty, like we got you. Like it's we're gonna take care of it this time. But the way in which Cap looks back and sighs, breathes out a sigh when he sees T'Challa is absolutely, it's one of my favorite acting moments from Chris Evans because he's so tired and he just lets out this sigh like, oh, thank God. Mm. (laughs) And then everyone comes through. And in our theater, Aaron, everyone was yelling, but I think everyone also caught the biggest line, which is Avengers Assemble too, right? Oh, yeah. 
He really did yell, my king, by the way. That was... <laughs> I did. I, I and I also it. yelled, Ibombe, when they did the Wakanda Ibombe. <laughs> I also yelled that back, like, twice. You know, for a brief moment, like, when, when you know, they, they're doing that and they're doing the Ibombe, and then, like, you know, you see... Because that portal, I think... I need you know, y'all have seen it twice. I've only seen it once at this point. The way they shoot it, it look it's so zoomed in that you don't even see it as a portal for a little bit. Yeah, and so you, that's true. you get the sense that, like, it's like, okay... All right, so the armies of Wakanda are going to come and fight Thanos again. We've been here when it was mm. basically just him, and they had a big shield, Gungan style, and and then all the other portals open. I was like, okay, yeah, we're good. All right, we're good. Just making sure we it's like, <laughs> right, right. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, look, yeah, like, mm, Wakanda's got the best army on the planet. I'm not, I'm not, you know, but I'm just saying the best army on the planet got beat. <laughs> like, we needed. To- yeah, like if you got this is the thing. This is once upon a time in Wakanda. I'm just going to tell you that's unrealistic. All right, I'm just going to tell you, black folk are not coming back after they dusted to die for real. <laughs> We're not coming back. Like, it's around- listen, I'm just going to tell you. Like, I'm, I'm not talking about the best of us. T'Challa, Shuri, they the best of us. <laughs> me. After I got dusted, now I might die for real from the same people who killed me the first time. Oh no, 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 no! Y'all got that? Y'all got y'all y'all got the wizards? Y'all got the Asgardians? It, we good? Like y'all got it, man? Y'all got all these demigods? Tell us about it. We gonna watch it. <laughs> Hit us up when you get back. Hit us up when you get back. Who all gonna be the? Oh Thanos? Oh no, no, no! Oh wait, no, wait, 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 wait! If we're gonna talk about the who gonna be, uh, can we can we just talk about Wong for a second? Because I think that like Wong. Wong has been living in the last year and a half as kind of the ultimate like you know the dude that's like all right yeah 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 so um, no I don't think I'm gonna go but, <laughs> back, back to the sanctum. <laughs> but see this is the thing this was redemption for Wong because he was like he's like the guy that's like all right who's gonna be there uh yeah no but let me go invite some people. And then we'll make it a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. Redemption for Wong. I just want to throw that in there. And he opened all the portals, apparently. He yeah. opened all the portals. Had to. So when everyone said, I think I forget who he was looking at when someone was like, Is that, that was strange? It was strange. It was strange. Yeah, so strange. And he's like, bro, who else? Who else do you need? Like, is this is all yeah. we got? That was absolutely crazy. Now, let's get into points of the battle as we kind of wrap up. Were there any points in the battle that stood out to you and Aaron, I think I know one you're going to talk about. So I'll kick to you first. What points in the battle like really rocked you, surprised you, made you excited? All right. I'll just briefly give two. First was to see Pepper in her suit, right? Bruh, Pepper, bro. (laughs) You know, Pepper in that suit. Um, Well, actually it's three. And then to see when all of you, you got to see these glimpses and it was so masterfully done because you got to see a glimpse of all of the women heroes assembled to right. escort Spider-Man as best as they could with the gauntlet to try to get him to uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in that van. Um, well, that was Captain Marvel. Captain they, Marvel were, they, yeah. were, they were scoring Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. That's right. She took Spider-Man. it. She took it from Spider-Man. That's right. That's right. Um, that was just such a neat scene. And, and and if you go back and watch the way they sequenced all of them walking, and then Gamora was the last one to walk to the front, just the timing of how they sequenced all of them kind of assembling to facilitate that. But then lastly, man, the Scarlet Witch, yo, she had an axe Bruh. to grind. Mm-hmm. And Thanos is like, I don't even know who you are. She's like, oh, no, no, no. You're about to find out. You, you, <laughs> you, you, Let me let you you're know. About to see, and you got to see her really flex dude and and she had him 
You know, I mean, she she yeah. legit she was, yo, she was about to crush him. She was about to crush him. And so mm-hmm. those the, to, to see her actually really flex. Right. Because ever since Age of Ultron, you just kind of see like little glimpses. You got to see a little bit more in Infinity War. Right. But this time, man, she just, you know, she it was it was that was one of the highlights to me of the, you know, little sub fights within the whole big battle scene. Brief thing before I kick it to Bo, I just want to, this is Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I just want to mention, if you get a chance for a second viewing, watch Okoye in that scene. She kills Corvus Glaive so easily. Like, she kills him and swings his body to the ground in like one swoop. Wait a minute. That girl, It was so easy. Look, it was so easy. It was easy. You could have mistaken him for Chitauri. Mistaken him for a guitar. Exactly. It was, like, Wait. <laughs> it was too simple. She was like, I got you. Swing you around. It's a wrap. I was like, wow. That's power. Like, Corvus Glaive is powerful. Um, and it also, it's interesting because Corvus Glaive is always getting murked by women. So he got murked by Black Widow <laughs> in Infinity War and then Okoye now. So that's that's pretty funny. But, Bo, it, your highlights of, of the battle. I mean, everything that were, I mean, you, you, you took mine, which was the, you know, the Spider-Man riding Milner getting, you know, caught, <laughs> caught by Pepper and tossed to Pegasus with Valkyrie. Uh, that was just, that was just such an insane moment that, that's just really just beautifully tied up the, the masterpiece that was, how did they make this work? And this is going to make all the money in the world. Like, this is incredible. Um, so there's that. Yes, of course, the ladies getting information, the, uh, even the beginning of that scene when, Captain Marvel kind of hovers like there's a quiet yes. and Peter, you know, I, man, I love this Peter Parker so much. He is so good at both Peter Parker he and is. Spider-Man and he captures and like, you know, the guy's like in his 20 somethings, but like he captures the innocence of, of a child being thrown in the middle of all this so much so that when he's so well, when he switches into like instant kill mode, I'm like, man, that's a kid being like surrounded by dead bodies, alien or otherwise little, little odd. But like he does it so well so that when she kind of flies up and he introduces himself like, you know, and she's like, hey, Peter Parker, like there's just a really special moment there that I did not I, I did not expect. Like I didn't expect to have this kind of sweet moment. Yeah. It was endearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another great Peter Parker moment, too, is when, uh, you know, you get the call back like, hey, Queens and, and Cap tosses him the. Uh, yes. The yeah. Yeah. Thing, which is great because. These are two characters that only their only ever interaction that they ever had was against each other in Civil War. And so it is kind of nice mm-hmm. to have that touch point, especially with Cap about to be sent off, uh, that they don't like part as foes. Because I mean, even when they were fighting, it was, you know, you know, Brooklyn, Queens. But still, that was that was really great. That's heavy, man. Yo, you can't That's especially a great point. from the from NYC, man, those things are serious. <laughs> so you gotta clarify. You gotta clarify who you are. Right. I'll bring up two um before we close out. Uh, the first one was Peter and Tony's embrace, um, mm. which made me extremely emotional the second time around, um, knowing what we know now. I felt as though that was one of my favorite moments in the entire film because Iron Man had basically been doing all this to get the kid back. Um, and so now as a as a full-fledged father, feeling the heaviness of the moment mm. and seeing him, there was such a relief in his eyes. And then, obviously, the Scarlet Witch part is incredible. And then I have to give my props to Captain Marvel. She was she was she right. She did her party trick. She did her right. She did her like yeah. number one party she trick. She did her thing. <laughs> Flying through the bishops. Yeah, she she flew through that, and then you know she took on Thanos, 
and held him off enough for Tony to recover and then get the stones from him. Um, we have to talk about that climactic mm-hmm. moment. I am Iron Man in 2008. That's how Iron Man, the original film, ends. Yeah. And then now, 10 plus years later, I am Iron Man to vanquish all the enemies. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They really did it, bro. They really did it. And in that moment, Bo, I'm sure you knew it was done for Tony Stark. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, so, you know, Tony's such an interesting character. If you think about kind of the pantheon of heroes that we have, because, you know, he is like, like many of them, he's human and his technology really is kind of his weapon. It's his, it's a superpower. It's his mind. Uh, he's this futurist that can see where the tides are going. He's not psychic. He just kind of he can he can see where things are going, and, and based on what the needs are today, he can kind of predict what the needs are tomorrow. And it would ma- it's what makes him a successful businessman, a successful inventor, and a successful hero. And it's really what kind of drove him to this point. And throwing back to Iron Man, you know, the first movie, it was such you know we it seems kind of quaint at this point, but, but the fact that that movie ended with him revealing his secret identity was groundbreaking at the time in terms of superhero mm. films. Cause like oh, yeah. one of the biggest tropes of a superhero is the secret identity. And they threw that out the window at the beginning and it totally like set up a world that is very different from kind of the way in which we kind of perceive them. And that the idea is that our heroes are not going to necessarily be hiding in the shadows, that our heroes, we're going to know them. We're going to know their faces. We're going to know their names. There's a human element there, right? And so when Tony goes in and he gets the stones and he's given, you know, the, I, like, I think we all knew at some point, or at least at some level, that Tony was going to get the kill shot. Even, even people that were like, yes. Oh, yes. Well, Captain Marvel, yes. she's so powerful. She's going to come in. It's like, yeah, but Tony's going to get the kill shot. Oh, but Thor, you know, this was really his movie, this last one and like everything. Yeah. But Tony's going to get the kill shot. <laughs> like always. Yes. We always, knew we that. knew yeah. it was coming. And so to see the way in which, you know, his armor, right. His suit kind of not just swipes the stones, but the way in which they kind of crawl and find their position. And on top of that, even before that, when he looks over it's strange, because that's the thing. So Captain Marvel, that's the thing. Like she's the big one, right? She's the big heavy hitter. The entire spaceship stopped what it was doing on the battlefield to fire on the entire army just so it could focus on her. And then she goes and she flies through it and she's this ultra powerful person. And she just got like smacked right across the battlefield. And Tony, the closest one there looks over to Dr. Strange one finger up in the air. This is it. This is our one shot. If you do this, we win. If you don't, we lose everything. Yeah. Woo! Man. Incredible. Man. I, that, that scene, that look between them. Mm. Well, it said it so much. So hard the second time. <laughs> it, yo, it said, so yo, it was, hard. it was, it was weight. You know, it was yep. not yet, but this is it too. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it was, it was so many messages just by the look and that gesture, man, that was powerful. And then he dies. Well, and so one last thing on that too, because if you think about all of these characters and their arcs and not just from the beginning of the universe, but from the beginning of Avengers 
And that big clash, when he and, and, and Steve first clashed, Steve tells me, you're not going to be the one that's going to make the sacrifice. You're not the one to jump on the bomb, right? You're not the one to take that hit. And Tony kind of is like, yeah, no, I'll, find, I'll always find another way around it. And in that movie, of course, we get the payoff of that, oh my goodness. of him being willing to do it. But now it's definitive. It's not just like, you know, it's not just like there's a chance that you're not going to make it back. No, in this moment, he knows that he, if he does this, he dies. Like he knows that going in. There's no, I might get out of this. There's, I'm probably going to get out. I'm probably going to die. I'm probably going to, no, this is definite. You will die when you do this. And he does it. And it's that, that pause where he says, I am. And I like to think he's thinking about his daughter Mm. in that moment. I like to think he's visualizing his wife and daughter for the last time, and then he snaps. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow was phenomenal in that mm-hmm. scene, by the way. Um, it's a callback to their first conversation in the film, where he says, I'll just you know, put it in a lockbox. I'll put this time travel equation in a lockbox, drop it down to the bottom of the lake, and go to bed. And she says, would you be able to rest, though? Hmm. And then at the end, she looks at him and says, you can rest now. And so it's this callback call to their first statement that she says to them, um, that she says to him, that's, that's just super powerful. So anything that you would change, anything that you want to adjust, because obviously we got to, we're Black Podcast, Black Christian Collective. So obviously Sam is now Captain America. That's huge. That's massive. Um, that's a big step for Marvel. Um, hopefully they'll follow through with that and give him all the resources and opportunity that he deserves to take that character because that's what they gave to Chris. It's not just him, man. So that's a big three are all black. You've got Valkyrie, Captain America and war machine is kind of the new big three. Yeah. And that's, that's very fascinating as well. So Valkyrie, I think she's going to become quote unquote, the next door. Um, they'll probably give her a weapon Uh Thor being now part of the Asgardians of the galaxy, as you said, (laughs) which was hilarious. Um, but anything that you would change, anything you feel like that should have been done in this film that wasn't, and I'll start with Aaron, man, as far as, I mean, we know that there's definitely always been a difference between the, the MCU and the serial, right? So I, I, I wasn't really. I wasn't really critiquing like any glaring inconsistencies there as I watched it, you know, even the second time. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think other than the moments where I thought the comedy relief was misplaced or Mm -hmm. out of sequence. And there were Mm -hmm, two glaring moments, the cut back to Hawkeye and, Um, Black Widow that Bo mentioned, and then Rockets Boom when they were uh, placing the stones on you know the, the newly made gauntlet. Other than th- moments like that, no, nah, there's really not too much that I would critique. At least not right now. I'm gonna watch it again, but not right now. I'll add to the uh, comedy that didn't quite land when when Banner is back in time. He's like, I don't really want to smash everything, but okay. Smash car, smash that. I was like, dude, that, that hit hard in our so theater. flat in our theater. It's kind of like, yo, that yeah. hit hard in our theater. All right, all right, maybe it's a different, different audience. Nah, I mean, I feel you. Like, maybe it was just corny. I don't know. Maybe we just some corny dudes. Like, but that, I thought that was hilarious, especially when he's like, ah, oh, there's a gratuitous, yeah. but yeah. I'll, I mean, so I love the way in which 
like they so Cap and Iron Man really got beautiful send offs here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with yes, and it's so yes. good too because last movie was really lacking Cap. Like everything was much more on Tony yeah. and you know, and I, I wrote an article about this for the witness, but it was it was about uh that movie was about if you had an infinity stone, then you kind of mattered to Thanos, and if you mattered to Thanos, you were in that movie. Whereas this movie, it was much more placed back on kind of the core team and the core Avengers. And so we got, you know, Cap got those, those big moments and those big character moments that he needed and such a beautiful kind of closing to his story as well. Uh, In a way I didn't, I didn't fully expect. I did as soon as he got on the time travel platform, I was like, oh, he ain't coming back. Like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was, that was quite. What you do with that hammer, homeboy? What you do with that hammer, play? Oh, listen, look, (laughs) you know, that's, that's actually kind of incredible, right? Like, that's a whole story unto itself is Captain America traveling through time and getting these Infinity Stones back, which, by the way, is also, in essence, kind of a call to a Captain America story after he died and found his way back by traveling through consciousness through time. And so they could potentially. You know, if they wanted to, which they don't, but they could tell that story. But anyway, um, no, man, I, I, I don't know that I would really change much at all. I really don't know that I would change much at all. And so much of this I did not expect. And so much of it was beautiful for that reason. Um, you know, there's so many characters that popped up in this that I had no clue. Like if I could add one character in and I don't know where he would belong, it would be Justin Hammer just because that was... I feel like yes. that was such a, yeah. a great character. And I hope he actually plays in, in future like movies, which I don't know if we're going to be able to talk about, but I'd love to speculate for a couple more oh <laughs> minutes. My gosh. Yeah, no, we got to, we got time. It's our, it's our podcast. We got time. We got time. Um, I'll say this, man, the, the one big miss for me, and it became even more glaring in the second viewing of the film is that Hulk never had a moment. Right. Right. To show the physicality. Mm-hmm. And so, I recognize he had the moment and it was used in a different way for the the gamma, um, which I thought was cool. Um, he convinced the ancient one to give him the time stone. That's cool. Hulk didn't get a physical redemption. And that I think that's symbolic of the fact that he's no longer angry. Hmm. So he kind of has healing. And so he's not the same Hulk, but I don't know. There's something about that that felt really off and misplaced to me. Why wouldn't Hulk fight Thanos again? Why wouldn't he do that? Uh, that that just doesn't make any sense in the course of this entire battle. We don't even really see him. I mean, we get we get individual moments of a lot of characters who are secondary. I mean, we get individual moments of Drax jumping on the back of this monster and like stabbing him eight thousand <laughs> times, uh, which was hilarious. You get an individual moment even with Mbaku running mm-hmm. on the front of the line. You know alongside T'Challa and Captain America and, and others and Thor. You get a, a you know a key moment of, of Ant-Man and the Wasp. You get key moments of a lot of different characters and you get no key moment of Hulk? Really? Like I just I mean is the character dead? Like what's what's going on? Like is he no longer the Hulk as we know him? It's just it that to me is a massive miss that when they said they promised he would get redemption that's not what i had in mind and it leads me to believe that we're not going to see that hulk anymore and that's actually sad to me um and i, I appreciate hulk professor hulk like i said you've passed vibes <laughs> i feel you but i just i i need him to be hulk you know and i need that to come out and i thought what was going to happen is you know thanos or someone with his team or something was going to kill black widow in front of him and then that would push him over the edge 
to become Worldbreaker Hulk or Red Hulk or something massive and out of control that Thanos couldn't even deal with. But we didn't get that. And I think to me, with the character as important as Hulk, that doesn't make a lot of mm. sense. Um, and I agree with Valkyrie. I think I liked you better one of the other ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think that was actually a, a, a very prescient comment there. So let's, um, where do we go from here? Where does the MCU go? Clearly, we have some change-ups. We have some some shifts that are being made. So, Bo, you wanted to speculate. Let's take another five minutes and speculate here. Where does MCU go? You know, what's phase, phase four look like? What's what's all these things that are coming down the pipe? All right. So, we, we know what's coming down. We know that we're getting a Black Panther 2. We know we're getting a Doctor Strange 2. We obviously have Spider-Man 2 happening, like, in you know, tomorrow, whenever that's coming out, we won't even get into how that's ever going to make any sense, but <laughs> Oh my goodness. What in the world is happening there? Um, so yeah, all the same kids from the same group, from the same movie got dusted, then came back and now they're taking a field trip. You know what I think? What? I think they're going to wrap it up with that same gym coach from before. Like, all right, we're getting ready to go to the field trip, even though I'm pretty <laughs> oh, sure. That was handle. I forgot about that. Well, yeah, that, I think that'd be great if he just does a little quick wrap up and <laughs> we're good. Um, so we know we've got those movies, but I, I was thinking about the fact that kind of our, our, our Trinity, our, our Marvel Trinity has just kind of changed. Like, like in terms of who are like the main three heroes of the Avengers. And so if Marvel does kind of a continuation of that, if they really fully pass the torch, not just symbolically at the end of this movie, but like they actually pass the torch of the franchise, they could really go in some interesting directions. So here's, here's my pitch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where this all fits in, but if if not in Spider-Man 2, in Spider-Man 3, uh, which I'm assuming is going to be named Graduation, uh, they need to introduce Norman Osborn. Mm. They need to introduce him. Mm. If they don't introduce him in this next one, they need to introduce him. And so I, we need an introduction of him because we need him to play a background role for where things are going. Mm. And I think that from there, we go to Captain America. And even though it is, it's Falcon, I really think they could really kind of do some interesting things and maybe go back Mm -hmm. and use Captain America to dive into the red, white, and black storyline that goes into the origins of the creation of Captain America, like that predates Steve uh, and then like this entire black troop that they'd like tested all this uh, serums on and everything. And then even use that to introduce the character of Patriot, who is a descendant of kind of the first Captain America, the pre Steve Captain America, um, mm. uh, which will, you know, potentially introduce a new, you know, sidekick and a younger Avenger, if you will. You can kind of see where I'm going mm. with that. Um, yes, yes, yes. I see <laughs> War Machine, I think a, a dedicated War Machine movie and possibly taking on the story of Man in the Iron Mask, which would allow you to utilize the mm. Iron moniker in Yo, the this title. Is fascinating. Yeah. This is fascinating. Now, technically, Rhodey does become Iron Man for a time, but I think given the roadie that we have, it makes more sense for him to maintain the war machine title um, because he is, I mean, he is war machine and I, I, I feel, I, I don't know. It just seems to me that he would like maintain his own name, but I, I think you need to have iron in the name of whatever he does. And if they go with the man in the iron mask, which by the way, the, the, the arc in the comics is that the suits become sentient. And so Tony has to like fight his own technology and so this idea of potentially a sentience maybe even bring Robert Downey Jr. back to like fight, you know, as an AI in, you know, a, a, a God in the machine type situation could be kind of interesting. Wow. Uh, Valkyrie. I don't know what they would call. I don't know if Valkyrie is like a strong enough name 
to kind of carry that franchise or not. But at the same time, Marvel made Guardians of the Galaxy this massive success. So they could potentially still do it again with Valkyrie. But, you know, Aaron already mentioned it. Gore the God Butcher seems like a fantastic story arc for all of these displaced uh, as Guardians. Uh, And so having kind of Valkyrie step into her queenhood by taking on Gore, I think would be really interesting. Um, But then we have the entire world dealing with the fact that there's all these new heroes. And maybe potentially throughout all of these stories, uh, we get kind of this almost kind of questioning of the public of, are they really getting behind these new heroes? You know, like, uh, it's not my Captain America. You know, like, there could be a lot of resentment towards, especially after this huge apocalyptic, you know, thing. Like who, who, who are these new heroes coming in thinking that they could save the day? And you could have someone in the background stirring up trouble uh, in a political sense and in, in the form of Norman Osborn and perhaps mm-hmm. with the joint backing of Justin Hammer, they could form, they could eradicate, you know, shields already been eradicated. They need something kind of to come back in its place. And so you could have the formation of a new, new shield by the name of Hammer funded by, you know, Justin Hammer and everything else, mm. headed up by Norman Osborn, that leads us into a dark reign, Avengers Dark Reign, where the villains, of, like Norman has gathered all these villains and he's propelled them up and turned public perception away from these new Avengers onto his new Dark Avengers. And so we get kind of this, you know, fighting of the new Avengers versus the Dark Avengers and that sort of thing as kind of the big, wow. you know, first big Avengers movie. And so it's kind of like, you know, this, this constant, like fighting to, uh, you know, as, as kind of the new generation, as the new heroes, as the, the new owners of the mantle, like step up, they still have to fight the public to some extent in order to like prove themselves so much so that that even becomes the course of it. And throughout the course of this also introducing younger characters so that a follow-up to that would be maybe a young Avengers. So that's, that's my pitch for a phase Hmm. of this, you know, new Marvel cinematic universe that we live in. Also, it doesn't yeah. include any Fantastic Four. It's I don't think that's coming yet. See, that's the thing. I think that that would probably be after this. Because, I mean, I think an X-Men House of M followed by Avengers versus X-Men also makes a lot of sense. But that, that makes a ton of sense. Oh, my goodness. That would make all right, the money. Right? But oh, my goodness. That's going to that take more time money. to build up. So I think I think something like that. And I to, to hmm, I want them to spend some time with these changes. Like they've made, they made, they wrote some big checks at the end of this movie. And it'd be very easy with the way that this really does kind of feel like a closeout of the cinematic universe that they could kind of step away from those decisions they've made. But I really don't want them to. I want them to double down because they've always been good when they write these big checks to actually cash them. What they did in Winter Soldier was massive at the time. And it had implications for everything that came afterwards. Same thing with Civil War. Yes. So I want to see that boldness continue on. And I'm very hopeful that that's what we'll get. And so anyway, that's, that's my speculation and my hope for where we go. Wow. Aaron, what, what, after all that, I know. Well, what do you when, think? Whenever Bo starts doing what that, stands out? whenever Bo starts doing that, I feel like there's hardly anything that I can say that would just even come close. <laughs> oh no, that's Thor with Stormbreaker and Mjolnir. Exactly. Like it's that's, just, that's you when know. Bo starts doing that. It's God. So, so I don't have as much speculation as much as I have just kind of like selfish, like what I'd like to see. I guess, because here's the thing. So Thanos has been this, this villain first in the background and at the forefront uh, for, for a decade. Right. Okay. So now who's the next villain? Who's going to be the next villain that's so big, so powerful, so diabolical 
that it forces them to gather together, you know, across galaxies like Thanos did with this current group. And so um, immediately, and just because I, I just read it, I love the idea of um, the Beyonders. Um, maybe, I don't know. Um, the celestial, the celestial you, you know, just, uh, with, you know, Black Swan, that whole dynamic. I mean, just, you know, um, we haven't heard anything really from Dr. Doom. I was telling Tyler, I was not prepared for how, how just how smart and conniving and just oh, dude, how precise, you know, the, he's just an absolute genius. Um, who's T'Challa going to be going up against? Maybe, you know, um, Oh, with with Atlantis, that. so so maybe some of that is introduced, um, and um, and so there's 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 gonna have to be, and I know they're gonna do some individual stories, you know, and and I hope that they're really good. Like you said, I hope they go big. They continue to be daring and innovative in how they do these characters, but someone that's so powerful and and so much of a threat that they have that that it galvanizes them once more these new avengers and mm-hmm. and um and so yeah i'm i'm really interested as to 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 see who they're going to introduce and and who this next who who these th- this next villain and these next villains are going to be yeah so one thing and I'll start from a Wakanda perspective from you know black center point of view um <laughs> I think uh we got a pretty big hint as to where we're going for Black Panther 2 and that was in the scene where um Okoye says there's an underwater Oh that's right yo I totally missed that Oh my gosh Namor Namor that's Thank right you. come on come through come through we're here for you Come on in, oh. come on in. Let's do it. So I think, I think that was all but a confirmation that we're going to get Namor. Um, that's why she said, "There's nothing that you do; you just let it happen." <laughs> but but Natasha knows. No, there's something going on there. What are we going to do to stop this? That's Namor. Um, I'd be shocked if it wasn't. If it's not, I don't know what they're doing. Um, that's big for me. I'm really looking forward to the Eternals movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to continue to take us cosmic. Angelina Jolie is confirmed for that. Um, I think we're going to get, you know, some more God level storylines. There are two movies. I don't know. I don't understand or know what's going to happen with them. And that's black widow and Spider-Man far from home. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Now, if they decide to do some one-off stories, I think that's fine. I think that's good. It's just now what's the continuation of this and now what's the purpose of some of these stories. That's the only reason why I would say, I don't know if they'll do Osborne because I think Sony's going to be done with, with them uh, and their little partnership. <sighs> that's like my, that's my suspicion. Is Stupid into Sony the spider verse. Oh. Yeah. Like I, that's just my suspicions. They're like, Oh, okay. Well, we got this now. So oh, it's like, man. whatever. Um, also, Shang-Chi, um, I'm excited for the first Asian-led superhero yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm very interested to see where they take the individual shows um, in the Disney Plus streaming service. So obviously, we have Falcon, now Captain America, Winter Soldier, uh, WandaVision, and then a big one that we didn't really touch on in our review, but Loki. Um, so now that Loki has a stone, well, what's he going to be doing? And that kind of created- yeah, an alternate universe. Like, what does that mean? And then does it also introduce the possibility of Loki being back in some of the films as well? I think Marvel would be wise to go bigger and more cosmic. Yeah. And 
because I think what it does is it doesn't make the ground characters obsolete and it doesn't make them useless, but it actually will make them essential because there's going to be certain things. It actually makes it easier for the God level characters to kind of be walled off, Mm -hmm. so to speak, Mm -hmm. in the event of like an invasion and they're blocked off. I think that, you know, I think the whole Secret Wars concept will make the ground, um, groundbound characters extremely valuable. Um, so I think that's a way if they go cosmic and secret wars, I think that would be very interesting. Um, another thing that I think, um, if we're talking about specific villains that I want to see, I guess, you know, I, I get it. He's not like a villain villain, but Adam Warlock. Oh, I forgot to mention him. That's right. That's right. That's coming. Let, let's do it. Like, I want to see it now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Guardians 3. Like, you got Gun back. It's a potential Guardians Thor mashup. Beta Ray? They're going to get Beta Ray yeah. Bill. You know they're getting Beta Ray Bill, getting- Adam Warlock. I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's, this, is, this is red meat. Like, you got to knock this one out of the park. Yeah. Let's do it. I think Marvel's just created a huge problem for themselves because now it's like, man, they, what can't they do? <laughs> um, and so I don't know who that ultimate villain is. I personally love the idea of it being someone who's more nefarious, kind of pulling strings behind the scenes, kind of an anti-Tony Stark idea mm-hmm. um, versus like an overwhelming physical presence. So like but that would be Doom though. On like, yeah, like a Doom. Yeah. That's that's what I want. Or someone who's mystical. And so if that's the case, my my pick would be Dormammu. Um, I'd love to see kind of a Dormammu angle. Huh. Um, but he's not like a... He's not really a gatherer of of enemies and villains, but I'd love to see him being like a, a huge portion of kind of almost breaking through some of the other movies because he's just so powerful. Um and and having some of these tie-ins with Strange and and you know, Mordo, of course, who's who's gonna be who's gonna be coming back. So, you know, that, that that's just a few things, but I think it's pretty clear we're gonna get a Namor movie. Yeah. In Black Panther two, and I am here for it. Yes, let's get it in. I love it. You know, if they if you're talking like big, big. So I, my my thought too. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. That I think that after you go the end of the entire universe with a Titan, um, you you got to go small. You know what I mean? There's no outdoing yep. that. There's no outdoing the eradication yep. of the entire universe. So you have to go small. But if they were going to go big, I think there's two two ways to do it. You either go Galactus, which eventually will yeah. happen. Oh, bro. Um, and then... Bro, that's serious. Yeah. And then also, I mean, I've, I since they introduced time travel, Kang the Conqueror. I mean, like, the, he makes the most sense I like your Kang. Follow. I like your Kang theory that you've been pushing for. Yeah. I like well, in this, in, in the like way it. that they introduced time travel, right? Like, with when you travel in time, you actually create a separate universe. Like, that. now there is a multiverse. Like, they essentially just created the multiverse in this movie. And yes. so theoretically, you know, Kang, the way they could take that character and, as, and maybe they introduce him in Fantastic Four, which of course makes the most sense anyway. Uh, that, you know, I think, I think there's a lot that they could play around with, with, with that character. But either of those two characters I see as being potentially those, those kind of big, big type of powerhouses. Yeah. I really want them to introduce X-Men when they do Galactus, but I'm fine either way. Um, there's a lot of other, uh, villains that could be introduced with X-Men. So it kind of opens up the deck there. Um, Magneto, man. Who's going to be, and this is kind of our last question here, who's going to be the emotional cornerstone of the MCU now? You know, that's kind of been 
shared from a heart and soul perspective, a leadership perspective at Captain America. Um, but then also you have the brains of Tony Stark and he's kind of, in a sense to me, been the underlying, I don't know, there's just something about his arc. He's just kind of been on this arc for the past 22 movies. So now who's who's that person? Who's the cornerstone? Um, especially knowing that Sony could pull Peter Parker at any time. Mm-hmm. Who's that cornerstone? We got to say T'Challa at this point, it's right? King, man. Is he really, man? Is it? Is it really? I mean, is the it, box is, office uh, really? dollars would say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, think about really the fact that when though. we look at the entire universe coming back, I mean, it's nice that Falcon had the on your left. God, that's such the Russo brothers, that man. Crazy? That's in, in, insane. It's it's nice that Falcon had that that moment, but like with, before the rest of the universe came back into being, it was T'Challa. T'Challa was the first one that had that like. Mm moment to moment. And I think a lot of people, and maybe it was part of the marketing, but they were propelling like that Captain Marvel was going to be like the new like person that was going to rally everybody. But no, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, I think it's T'Challa. Hmm. I still think they're going to go Captain Marvel. I hate to say it. <laughs> so. I don't, not the way that they used her in this film though. Like yeah. she was used to great. I was so I mean, glad like, that I, they nerfed her the way that they did. As far as impact, no, no, no. I'm not talking about her abilities, but I'm talking about her presence. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so they just reduced her presence within yeah. the film. Oh, I see yeah. what you're saying. There. I think she'll be like well, I think- the king of the space Avengers. Like she'll be like the Captain, Mar- the Captain America esque of what's going on with the cosmic world. But like she's above Earth. Like you know, she. I mean, like even in this movie, she's like, oh yeah, this is all happening. All right, I'm gonna go to space for a while. Like you know, she's she's got bigger fish to fry, so to speak. Yeah, so I think it's going to be two heads because if you think about the idea of Tony and um, Cap, you know these two, Tony and Steve, being these these two kind of have this tug of war throughout, you know, because both of them are so strong willed and they have leadership. I can see T'Challa and Carol kind of tugging back and mm, forth. Interesting, you know. Don't forget about us in a ground bound sense. She's like, there's so many other things that we could be doing. He's like, protect your own, because that's native to T'Challa's philosophy, which is protect your own, like protect protect home base. And so her saying, her being a cosmic character, I can see their philosophies clashing hmm. um, in some ways where she's like, we need to be exploring. We need to be making alliances here. We need to attack these threats. And he's like, yo, we're the, we're the Avengers of Earth, not of the entire universe. Um, and so I can see that kind of being some sort of philosophical divide, not that there has to be one, but I think there just needs to be those two characters. And right now I don't think Thor's in a shape to do that. And they're probably going in a different direction for him. So those, those seem to be the only two options. Um, also Ant-Man because he's so, so much of a, of, of, <sighs> of you know. So much, so high in Bo's estimation. I just want to mention him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Paul Rudd's like like 75 years old anyway. So, I mean, like, he can't, you know. Also, take a look at um, just as far as the Easter egg, the kid from Iron Iron Man 3 Mm. was actually Ty Simpkins, the same actor. He was in the funeral scene. So, that's good foreshadowing for what he might be, Iron Lad, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. hint, hint. Um, that would be amazing for me as well. Um, we also saw, I forget his name. What is his name? Red Hulk. What's Red oh, Hulk's Rolk. name? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you mean, uh, general Sam, uh, not Sam Lane, Sam, um, 
I forget I forget what he's called, but he's he's actually he was actually at the funeral too, which was interesting. Um, I didn't catch him the first time around because I didn't care. Um, <laughs> but then I see him kind of lurking in the background, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is really interesting. So I think they can take it anywhere, but there's a problem here because I think I think this is going to be the highest grossing movie of all time. And I think it's going to be wildly, like it's what, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critically acclaimed, I think it's going to win a couple of Oscars um, for technical categories. And now it's almost like, man, you almost ended it too well. I'm not excited for Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm. I'm cool off mm. that. After this, I'm just like, yeah. oof. Um, I may find my way to the theater because Tom Holland's great, but- it's got to be a lot. Like we've gone so cosmic now, I, you know, stuff doesn't really impress me the same way. Um, a Black Widow movie being right after that. How are you going to do it? What's going to happen? Um, yeah, I just I don't, I don't know if I'm excited for it right. anymore. You know, so I think they do have a problem because they wrapped it up so well. You almost don't want to stick the landing that well. But Kevin Feige will find a way. No doubt. Well, guys, this has been amazing. Thank you all. We're in the end game. Destiny has been fulfilled. And thank you all again. Tweet at us with your thoughts, your predictions. We know this was long, but it was worthy of it. This is the summation of 22 movies. Um, so we hope that you guys enjoy it and continue listening. We'll have some intermittent podcasts, maybe a season three. Who knows? You guys will just have to keep watching and listening as we prepare for the next steps here at Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. Ibombay, Ibombay, Ibombay. <laughs>